1: All right, final hour. Sports Talk Saturday coming your way. Helping me kick off the final hour is Cover One's Greg Thompson. He joins me now on the West Her Hotline to put a bow on this Bills-Jets preview day. And uh, Greg, what a game we've got on our hands for this weekend. And for a lot of reasons. Revenge. Um, AFC East title hopes. Um, AFC in general, like conference conversations. Like, I know that there's another divisional game right after that against the Dolphins. I think probably a lot of people are eyeing on a more national stage, but this certainly feels like uh, like one of those games that maybe I don't know. I'm not overlooking it, and I know a lot of Bills fans are, but maybe on the national perspective, people are overlooking this game with an eye towards next week. But I, I don't get the sense that anybody in this uh, in this building here in this organization is overlooking a Jets team that I think handled them in a way that um, you know they they maybe haven't been handled by a division opponent. In quite some time.
2: Absolutely, I mean the biggest compliment we can give the Jets is this game matters. You know, it, it hasn't mattered in a while, and you know, being in a spot where you know they certainly, I, I think, going back and rewatching that game a couple times, preparing for this week, you see you know, the Bills should have won that game. They, they had multiple opportunities in hand. They let multiple opportunities slip through their grasp. You know, up fourteen to three with possession going down and. That's where we started to see some of the that window where we had boneheaded Josh Allen kind of show himself before the, the elbow injury. And I think that, you know, we've seen some, you know, settling back in of Josh Allen, some better decision making, obviously some limitation from the elbow injury. And then you mix in how many new names are in play. Now we go from Zach Wilson to Mike White. You know, we bring in, you know, multiple different pieces along the offensive line on the Jets side. And then the defensive side, everybody remembers that painstaking drive where they just ran the ball down our throats. Well, when you don't have Gregory Rousseau, you don't have Matt Milano, you don't have Jordan Poyer, you don't have Trey White, it's easier to do those things. Um, I certainly expect a different defensive approach this week uh, with you know all those pieces back in play
1: yeah there's a lot of little details from that game the first time around that I think maybe get lost or, or maybe get lost in the group of other plays that might stick out like the Tremaine Edmonds interception that wasn't an interception and like obviously the two Josh Allen interceptions and some of the other details from that game like one detail that you know I had a caller the first hour of the show call in was to bring up like how much in that game Jaquan Johnson struggled um, after I thought was after his first couple of fill ins for Jordan Poyer looked like a guy. That they were going to maybe refer to as the maybe the second guy to come in off the bench when Jordan Poyer was healthy, it, it looked like and it felt like Jaquan Johnson might be the guy to fill in for Micah like Hyde long term. And then that game happened, and really everything changed. Jordan Poyer got healthy, um, Damar Hamlin stayed in that spot, and Jaquan Johnson since then they traded for a safety. Obviously, we we haven't seen them use, um, but it it feels like Jaquan Johnson was a it was kind of like a, a storyline from that game and really hurt the defense on some of the angles that he took trying to tackle it and it really stuck out in that final drive
2: yeah and we we did some work on that over at cover one because he was a he was one of those kind of sneaky unknown guys where we liked the instincts we liked his reaction but everybody knew the limitations athletically and it was one of those things where you wondered hey does he have the ability to read the the offense react ahead of time and put himself into a good position where some of those sideline to sideline angles won't be an issue that he lacks based on the explosion and speed that you need to cover that ground. And, you know, we had kind of hoped that maybe that would be the case. And unfortunately it was painfully laid bare that not only does he not have that, you know, kind of, preempted and in in, in no way did anyone think he was an Ed Reed or Troy Palamalu kind of guy. But those guys always seemed like, even though they weren't track stars in the combine, they knew what was happening ahead of time and they were always in place and their angles were always perfect. And there are guys who can keep themselves in the league doing that. And we kind of wondered that watching that game, it was painfully laid bare that not only are his athletic limitations as bad or as, as much as what we had worried but he also just wasn't showing the instincts to be able to overcome it and put himself into bad positions. Many of those long broken plays were, you know, not necessarily him having poor technique or missing a tackle. It was just taking an angle that his body couldn't, you know, keep up with and he couldn't get there in time. So, um, thankfully, uh, we've actually seen, I think, some strong play from Demar Hamlin. I think he's yeah. made a, a you know, taken a stab at being in the future plans going into next year as some contracts come up. And then, thankfully, Jordan Poyer is coming back and still playing at the all-pro level that we've seen. So that certainly has made a huge difference. And having those two, um, I feel very comfortable with it. Neither of them are the center fielder that Micah Hyde is, but both of them have the sideline-to-sideline speed and are strong in the box. And when you're going against a running team with a limited quarterback, that's going to be enough for this week. Well,
1: I'm glad you mentioned Micah Hyde. You know, I I know uh, one of your guys over there, Kevin Masseri at at, at Cover One, is is confident that he believes at some point, whether it's going into the playoffs or maybe the final weeks, that Micah Hyde might be available for this team. He has been around quite a bit. He's been, you know, like warming up on game days with guys that are going to be inactive. Like, what's your confidence level? Do, do, Do you think there's a real chance that we maybe see Micah Hyde before the end of the season. I, I, I'm a little skeptical of it just based on the, the nature of the injury and, you know, the position that he plays. Um, I certainly would want to make sure that there was like absolutely no risk of potentially doing further damage or, you know, more than just to, to harm his career, but his you know way of living um, afterwards. I, I, am I'm, I'm maybe not as confident as some others. And I know we've had this conversation at the studio about it. Um, I, I don't know where I am on that. I, I'm maybe not as confident as some others are that, that Micah Hyde could be making a, a comeback before the end of the year.
2: Yeah. I, well, I think that's the right approach. Um, people that I trust, I know, you know, Kyle Trimble, who does banged up bills online. Um, he has laid it out as possible, but unlikely. And he said, if you take all of the ranges of rehab and recovery, there is a window where if he checks every single milestone perfectly, he could come back and hit that where it's not some crazy high-risk, you know, you know, putting his, like you mentioned, like after football livelihood in jeopardy. And it's possible where it's not some crazy risk factor, but he would have to hit every milestone at the earliest possible window through that entire phase. The only thing we can go by is he's putting in legitimate work. I mean, we're seeing him really hump it, you know, in these sideline workouts where he obviously has the mindset that he is. And and I would say that at least should trigger to us that he has tripped those milestones so far that he has not had a setback. He is triggering those because he wouldn't keep working if he had already had a setback. That's right. If he had already figured out that, Oh, Hey, I'm not going to make it. So I would say it is still in that window of possible but unlikely. We should not plan on it. We should not factor it in. But I, I it's a you know I, I like to throw on on my show. It's a non-zero chance. Mm. There is a chance that you know come playoff time and come. Uh, I believe it was. I heard it best described that it, it would maybe be the AFC Championship game mm. if they get that far. That he could maybe do the AFC Championship game and you know, God willing, the Super Bowl. Um, that would be a possibility again, if he tripped every single milestone perfectly. So, you know, God bless him. Um, if he gets the checkpoints from the doctors, if he has that real conversation with his wife and he has a beautiful young child, if he feels comfortable doing that, he's a grown man, he can make that decision. And if he decides that's what he wants to do, I certainly will, you know, maybe be gritting my teeth and a bit worried for him, but I'll also cheer my heart out and be ecstatic if we get to see him.
1: Greg Thompson a Cover One here and the Cover One Buffalo podcast with his co-host Aaron Quinn joining me on the Wester Hotline. And, you know, in the same vein of, of talking about injuries, like I go back to that first matchup again. And here's another like little little tidbit of information that maybe a lot of people didn't think about is, of course, people knew that Matt Milano didn't play in that first matchup. And, and that was sort of a big loss for the Bills defense among, you know, Jordan Poyer and some of the other injuries and Greg Rousseau, maybe most notably in terms of wanting to stop the run. Um I think it's the guy that took over in Matt Milano's place that wouldn't be taking over this time if Matt Milano can't go. But I think signs are pointing at least for Matt Milano to be a game time decision at the very worst. I think Matt Milano plays Sunday, but if he doesn't, how big of a difference do you believe AJ Klein going in instead of the rookie Terrell Bernard might mean for the success or potential success for this Bills defense to get to do better this time around against this uh, Jets run game?
2: So it, it's all matchup specific, and in a game like this where. Um, I, I actually wanna give credit to uh, Joe Biscalia made a really good uh point on his show. Um, that this is a game where we're not actually gonna miss Von Miller as much because for all the things Mike White is limited on and he doesn't have great arm talent, he's not some amazing athlete, the the man has timing and he can take three steps and get the ball out of his hand. And he gets the ball out of his hand in like two point one seconds and the, you know, Aaron Donald doesn't get to, you know, quarterbacks in two point one seconds. This is gonna be a rush lane discipline game, get your hands up. And, you know, of course, if you just beat a guy untouched, everybody can get a sack. If we have a great schemed up blitz that goes untouched, we can get a sack. But this is not going to be a big sack game. This is going to be a game where you have to have discipline and coverage. You know, he's not always accurate with the ball. You can tip it up, you can get an interception, he's going to miss high, you can get a pick there, you can bat the ball up in the air and get a turnover there but he doesn't take sacks. He just doesn't. He's willing to stand in there and he gets the ball out and he checks it down and you got to rally and tackle. Well, that's going to come into play in a game like this, where they're going to lean on the run game. They're going to lean on, you know, dumping the ball out. That means a guy who's good in the box and can play run defense has more value. This isn't needing to drop into the deep hook zone against Tua where you're trying to keep up with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, where, Maybe I'd rather Terrell Bernard be out there in space than A.J. Klein. Um, Of course, we'd want Matt Milano. Uh, But this game, I'd honestly be okay if they have to go A.J. Klein. Uh, Of course, we want Matt Milano because he does both. He can cover. He can also come up in the run, and he has those awesome instincts for the flash plays that we see. But if it's this Jets game and we have to play it safe because we want Milano for the rest of the year, um, I'm okay if they lean A.J. Klein. I'll agree with you. Um, him having 10 days off, he played 100% of snaps in that Patriots game, and then he was a. Uh, I think they listed him as limited participant, but he didn't have a non-contact jersey Friday. He was out there with everybody. I'm going to take that as them being cautious with him and easing him back in. I'll honestly be a little bit surprised at this point if Milano doesn't play. I expect him to hmm.
0: be in
1: there. So, in your estimation, where where do you stand on? Um, I guess there's not really. You, I, I guess there, there's not two sides to this debate. Um, I, I guess for some people are there are. For, for me, there's not. But the the Dawson Knox dilemma, uh, I guess, is is what I guess I'll coin this. Is I, I'm not sure that I feel like the offense has schemed him in a way that, at least acknowledges the fact that he is, and this isn't always the case, right? Like just because of a certain contract a player gets, doesn't mean that he falls in line and priority based on how guys are paid. That's, that's not the reality. It's not Madden. But at a certain point, I do wonder, like, I know with the, the injury to Deion Dawkins, that's forced the hand of, of, of Ken Dorsey a bit and, and keeping him in as extra protection for Josh Allen. But there's a certain point. I got to start seeing him being integrated in the I, I I've been maybe just kind of fighting the fight of saying like, I don't think it's asking a lot to scheme up five plays a game that just feature him as the primary target. Doesn't mean you have to force him the football in those moments, but scheme him in a way where he's the primary focus of a play, where you get him in motion, you get him lined up and man to man against a, another linebacker and you get him in motion in full sprint, he's going to win those foot battles those foot races against NFL linebackers just get him the football, let him get up field and like, those are the things I haven't seen, and obviously the red zone targets are just gone completely, so like where do you stand on this Dawson Knox thing and, and, and is this the week against a defense that looks like they really can be capitalized on in the middle of the field like it just feels like such a layup opportunity Opportunity for him to maybe have his best game of the year. I don't know. I just I, I feel like it's hard to hold my breath because of the lack of opportunity he's been given.
2: So I, I think you're spot on, and I think you listed, you know, many of the different ingredients in this cocktail so far. So one, people have to realize he's about on pace for the same season he had last year. So when you sign a big extension, people naturally raise the bar and raise their expectations. He has underwhelmed our expectations he hasn't really underwhelmed his pace he's doing about the same thing as he's done previously you compound that with two other factors one you mentioned um, the offensive line has struggled to stay healthy and even when healthy they haven't been fantastic in protecting josh allen and dawson knox is a elite blocker he's really really good uses athleticism he's able to stay in there In pass protection, he's a great run blocker. He moves his feet well. He chips well. He's been a consistent factor in that part of the game where it hasn't helped. And you've seen some of those leak plays that he's done where he chips and then we get that little flare out to the sideline. That's honestly been a huge chunk of his production so far this year. That's because they've had to keep him in more than they have in the past. You then add into that people have kind of clamored at, Hey, where's our next option? It's been, you know, less than we expected from Gabe Davis, less than we expected from Dawson Knox. Well, the passing numbers are still pretty good. You want to know why? Stefan Diggs is on a record shattering pace. Stefan Diggs is leading the NFL in almost everything. You know, fantasy football he's the number one overall wide receiver. He's on pace for like 1700 yards, 17 touchdowns, 150 catches. Like he's on pace for a phenomenal season. He's soaked up a lot of that, you know. I guess finger quotes disappointment from Gabe Davis and missing Jamison Crowder and maybe the breakout we hope for in Isaiah McKenzie and the breakout we hope for in Dawson Knox. That he's just getting more balls and taking yeah. up more. So, you know, don't get me wrong. I I would love to see that, you know, that counter punch, that pivot. And I love the athleticism Dawson Knox has. And I don't. I am not writing that off. I'm disappointed like everybody else. I think it's crazy not to be, because just like everybody else, my expectations raised when I saw that, that uh, commitment in contract as well. I'm not writing that off. There's enough other factors out there that I still feel good about him as a part of this team going forward, and I don't think it's out of the question that there are some things in Ken Dorsey's bag that he, we haven't shown yet, just like he showed in that Chiefs game. We saw stuff we hadn't seen all year that he saved for that moment. I think there's some stuff that he's holding back because this season's success is written in January and February, not in November and December.
1: And you know, I, I mean, as a follow-up to this Dawson Knox conversation. I, you know, I think there's just this this narrative now that has developed around him because of the statistics that, and and the idea that you are what the stats say you are, right? And. And and I think that's maybe where my mo- my biggest pushback on the Dawson Knox conversation is is you know well he can't do the things that that Travis Kelsey is he doesn't have the same athletic profile I mean to me that's nonsense he absolutely does he can you go on next gen stats you look at the types of routes that Travis Kelsey's running. Uh, there isn't a route in football that Travis Kelsey runs that Dawson Knox can't mirror and run. Now, does he have the same catch radius? Does he have maybe the same at yards after catch ability? Maybe not. Maybe those are some of the areas. And I'm not here to tell you I'm looking for this offense to adopt an ideology that turns Dawson Knox into Travis Kelsey. I'm not sure that will ever be the the, the way you want a Josh Allen run offense to function through the tight end. I'm not sure that's really the best way to, to utilize the strengths of Josh Allen's game, but... I just I, I I view this narrative that he there's certain things he can't do that I just don't buy like i I don't think there are huge flaws there's not limitations in his game from an athletic perspective. Does he drop the ball? Yeah, but I mean maybe more than I'd like him to, but overall greg that's I think the frustrating part for me is these people that want to line up to tell you the things he can't do based on some fallacy of how he's not being used and i just I want to be careful of saying like he doesn't do those things doesn't mean he can't. And where that conversation goes from there, I don't know. I just, I feel like I'm frustrated by the narrative.
2: I I think that's very, you know, well said in that, you know, he is an elite athlete, you know, 6'5", 255, you know, ran a, a nice 40 is, 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 you know, an elite athlete. He is up there, you know, with some of the better athletes we've seen come out of the draft. And that, that kind of guy raises, you know, ceiling expectations. I, I will say there's some things I've seen on film where I've had to second guess did Josh Allen lose a little bit of confidence in Dawson Knox? Because there were some moments where I saw Knox open and I you know, you can't tell exactly, I can't literally look at Josh Allen's eyes, but it almost looks like he pivots from there and is like, well, I'm not a hundred percent I'll go to Diggs even though he's covered. And, you know, hey, that's not a bad alternative. You know, Stephon Diggs is open even when he's not. Um, so there's a couple of things where I've wondered did some of the, the combination of some of the early season drops and the need to have him in as a blocker, did Josh kind of put him as out of sight, out of mind in some moments where he just wasn't in that primary function? And you brought it up at the beginning of this discussion is that maybe something we need from Ken Dorsey to say hey Josh don't forget about this guy even if you know he's not going to be the primary piece of our attack we need defenses to worry about him enough for it to matter so let's scheme up some things you know give me a seam shot play every once in a while give me a wheel route every once in a while you know god forbid we figure out how to run a screen someday um and get his athleticism, <laughs> out there in space, uh, yeah, out there. right. Um, you know, just a couple of things. Like you said, I I don't need him to all of a sudden. You know, don't get me wrong. I kind of hoped he was going to become part of that Cole Beasley replacement plan yeah, on, on third. You know, third downs. We haven't seen that. I'm not naive enough to think that's just going to come out of nowhere. But a little bit more. Just get, let let the defenses worry about his athleticism a little bit. So that that way we they have to factor for it, and you know he still is going to be a red zone target. He's still a tall, athletic guy, um, but at least get him in the mix a little bit more, not only for our sanity but just to throw something else in the mix for those defense coordinators.
1: You know, and, and before maybe I, I, I get one more in about this Jets matchup, I wanted to just rewind for a second, go back to that Patriots game with you, and and maybe ask you what you saw from this offense in that Patriots matchup that maybe you had been lacking the weeks prior where, you know, they really struggled to to find success continually, especially early in the first halves against the Browns and the Lions. And, and short of, I think the easy answer is to say, well, listen, this is a team that played three games in 12 days all on the road. And that's a tall task, and it's not been done in the NFL. Um, So to say they went three and zero in that stretch, I think is good enough for me. I don't maybe need to hyperanalyze a lot of that, but I do think there's something to be said about how they looked coming out of that game last week um, against a Patriots team that, let's be honest, you know, I mean, offensively is not good. But I mean, that that's a team that. Has beat the Jets twice, by the way. So I, I kind of look at, and I know Zach Wilson, but the Bills lost to Zach Wilson. So I, I guess I look at this and I say, did you learn anything last week from that game against the Patriots, or, or do you think that the Patriots team is just too hard to figure out to really take a lesson from it?
2: Um, the couple things I'll take from it are there are some similarities where you talk about limited offense, good defense. That's not dissimilar to where we're coming in this week. Um, I don't think the Patriots have a Garrett Wilson Um, But beyond that, I think they're pretty similar. You know, the Patriots might not have a Quinn and Williams. Um, But overall, I think the depth of the Patriots' defense is probably better than the depth of the Jets' defense. The Jets probably have a couple more higher-end guys. Um, But that idea, the one takeaway I took from that game was we saw some patience and some discipline in that Patriots game that we hadn't seen from this Dills offense, I I don't want to say ever, but in a long time, Mm. where – Josh's need to go for the kill shot, and that the thing that killed me in those early games where he was struggling, where you could tell that the man was trying to win the game on every throw, and that just you, you can't score twenty-one points a throw; it's just not the way it works. And that his patience and discipline—you know—that you know, sixteen plays, 90, ninety-four yard, nine-minute drive, oh, gosh, where yeah. we just methodically move the ball down the field, every. Single play on that drive was positive yardage. Every single play was a good decision. Uh, Eric Turner did an awesome breakdown of kind of the easy button that Josh uh, James Cook has become, where you can tell. He's not a check down or a dump down on some of these plays. He is the primary first read where they are running four verticals to open up space, knowing there's going to be room. And that if you get it into cook's hands early, he can make good decisions. And now those check downs aren't one or two yards. Those check downs are seven and eight free yards each time. And that when now defenses have to worry about that, all of a sudden, those deep digs and those deep crossers from Stefan Diggs, where you can't have the underneath bracket, because they had to come up and, and worry about James cook. Now those become open and starting to mix that in. That's the takeaway that I got from that game was we didn't have to press. We didn't have to go for the kill shot over and over again. We were okay. Taking a profit and just being really good at converting over and over and over again and if we get that into play where teams have to worry about methodical disciplined drives, that actually opens up the kill shots. That opens up those bigger plays. And if you get that mix going again, now all of a sudden you could be talking about that end of season run we had last year. Because mm. at this point, at this exact point last year, we were coming off that second half loss to Tampa Bay. We were coming off. Five, You know, losing five out of eight games and loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, and back-to-back losses with the win game and the weird overtime with Tampa Bay. That's the point we're at in the season right now. So to think that there can't be this hyper drive still and that strong kick finish, you know, at this point, we hadn't even started that win streak that took us into that crazy run of winning the division against the Patriots and killing everybody down the stretch. And then the perfect game against the Patriots and the, the obviously the killer back and forth with the chiefs. That's the point of the season. We're just getting into right now. So there's obviously time and if that can be an indicator for me that they're getting that patience and discipline, it's going to open up the fun stuff afterwards.
1: Mr. Topset, I appreciate you, brother. Thanks for joining me on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, enjoy your uh, your pregame steak tonight. Anything special, or is it just, you know, you're just doing your 111th and there's nothing special about it?
2: Got to do my part. I've got a couple new rubs I've been working Ooh, okay. on. I'm at Anton with uh, Q42. I got a little bit oh, going yeah. there to – to work on a couple new rubs I'm going to be trying. But, you know, I'm going to grill it up, do my 111th and share it for everybody. Can't wait to uh, get involved and then uh, settle down for a good game tomorrow.
1: I used Iman's uh, espresso rub or the the coffee rub on my brisket last week. And let me tell you, man, that thing is special, special. And I used his KC rub on all my ribs with a little Mike's Hot Honey. Uh, he's got some elite rubs over there at Q42. He, he really does not miss. Like, they're organic. It's legit. It's, oh, man, they are some of my favorite rubs to use. So, yeah, enjoy that, friend. That, that's It's going to be a good one for you.
2: I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it.
1: All right, buddy. Appreciate you, as always. Talk soon, and uh, enjoy your weekend. Go Bills. Absolutely. Go Bill. Thanks. Greg Thompson there of Cover One. I'm going to take a timeout on the other side. Lucas will get you an update, um, final one of the day. Then we'll hear from Ross Tucker, uh, again, who was uh, on, on his normal Thursday afternoon slot with Mike Shopin and the Bulldogs. So all that's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday on WGR.
0: <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact